welcome to the Companies to Watch show. I'm Kevin Harrington, the creator of the infomercial. I'm also one of the original sharks on the hit TV show, Shark Tank. But now I'm helping innovate leaders like you become equipped with the knowledge you need to more than 100x your success. For more than 30 years, I've been empowering entrepreneurs and innovative business leaders to turn dreams into mind-boggling reality. On this show, we talk with guests and reveal the secrets to help push past all your questions and excuses, empowering you to achieve success. Stick around to the end of the show, where we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest-growing entrepreneurial podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, welcome to the Companies to Watch show. I'm Jeff, and today we have the privilege of talking to someone recognized as America's most sought-after real estate investor and queen of the short sales. Please welcome my most wonderful guest, Dwan Bent Twyford. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh my gosh, it's a it's it's a huge privilege to have you. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you now. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like one of the things I love about being a podcast host is uh, I don't I, I don't always interview people who who I know a lot about what they do or or, or their certain topic, which is great because right. you're the subject matter expert and I'm not. Uh, I don't know much about real estate investing. This is going to be fascinating. I would love to find out uh, more. So please tell me, kind of first of all. What is your specialty? What do you guys do there at Wonderful? Well, uh, I guess my specialty at Wonderful would be at this point teaching and training and bringing up new investors to like kind of get up and spread the wealth around. Because I've been doing it for thirty years. Mm. I've done two thousand deals. So, like you know, you've done a million deals. I'm rehabbing a town right now, actually, like a wow. whole town. Holy cow! So, a whole town. <laughs> so, uh, at Wonderful, I, I really just want to help people become successful and and get from here to here and help them along the way. And, and just like, I get, nothing makes me happier than for students to send me copies of a check and, Hey, look at this. I was able to quit my job. And I'm like, woohoo. And so these are folks who, who will, will buy real estate and then fix it up and then find ways to, to kind of turn it over, right. Yeah. And sell it to yeah, so they can um, buy them and fix them up, rehab them and sell them. Um, always they can keep them for rentals, you know, become a landlord, get that, hmm. That cash flow for people that are real new, I suggest that they do what's called wholesaling. And wholesaling, Jeff, they just they get it under contract from a homeowner in distress, and then they sell it to like a rehabber or a landlord and just make a fee. Okay. So when you're real new and you have no money, no credit, no real estate license, you're broke, everything's against you, you can wholesale a house with none of those things, and you can make 20, 25,000 bucks on a single deal. Wow. Well, that's me. I'm broke and I don't, and I'm just starting. <laughs> so maybe that's where we'll, where we'll get started. But uh, tell me a little you bit about take how, my program. <laughs> it sounds like I should. I definitely could use 25 grand right now. I just, my daughter just got married. So that was uh, a lot of expense. Aww, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I've got uh, one married, two to go. One oh, down, two to go. Yeah. It's, you it's. trying to get rid of them and they keep coming out. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand that. Uh, so, um, Tell me a little bit about how you got started. What was the first property that you bought? Like, what? Why did? Why this? Why? Why is this the problem that you're trying to solve? How'd you get into this? Well, so uh, way best. So I'm gonna t- tell my age. I'm, I'm 62 years old right now. No, you're not. I know. I know. I know. Hard to believe, but I am 62. 
listen, I look in the mirror and I'm like, how, what happened to me? <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm, I'm visibly shocked right now. I had, I would have never guessed that in a million years. I love that reaction. I <laughs> um, so when I was 30, I was married, I had a baby and I had kind of planned to be like that homeroom mom, Susie homemaker, baking the cookies, going on the field trips. But that was kind of what I had planned to do. I wanted to do that. And when my daughter was only eight months old, her dad and I had a fairly unexpected split up and he wasn't a jerk. So he took the money, the car, like just, you know, disappeared on me, left me with an eight month old baby. Mm. So basically I thought, well, kind of screwed right now. <laughs> I got this kid. I don't know what to do. I'm not working. I just had a baby. And it was kind of one of those like come to Jesus moments where you're like, okay, I'm at a really dark point. Like, where do I go from here? And in my 20s, I worked a complete string of endless jobs. One included Denny's and I got fired from Denny's on third shift or, <laughs> in the middle of I, the night. <laughs> can I ask what for? <laughs> I got fired from a whole lot of jobs in my 20s. And they always said I was insubordinate. I talked back. I tried to tell people how to do their jobs better, including owners of companies. Mm. And apparently they don't take kindly to that. So I think I needed to work for myself because nobody else would have me. <laughs> like literally. I mean, it was just you you needed to be your own boss and it was coming through. Yeah. I, I needed to. I didn't know it. And in my 20s, I was too crazy to even think that way. But so now I'm really looking for a job. And, and so the reason I tell my age is because 30 years ago, when you wanted to look for a job, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the computer. We didn't even have pagers yet. Mm. Everything was in the classified section of the newspaper. So I'm going around, I'm going to job interviews, but I start coming across some of the same people. And uh, anyway, so I met these guys and they said, oh, we buy houses. We fix them up and we sell them. So I thought, buy houses, decorate, sell them. That's what my mind heard was decorate, not fix up. So I didn't know what that meant. And I thought, hey, I could work for myself. I could decorate houses. I could raise my baby. This is this is the perfect thing for me. I was, I'm going to decorate houses. So <laughs> I, I went door knocking. I found my first house. I moved in. And with my daughter, the lady moved out. She was also going through a divorce. And I, and I decorated. And the house was still a disaster. So at that point, I recognized I need to learn how to actually rehab mm. and fix things. So I started taking classes at Home Depot. And I was there every every day taking classes, learn how to lay tile, put together kitchen cabinets, how to make screens, da, 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 da. and I rehabbed this house. And I made $22,000 on my first deal. And I thought, okay, I have $22,000 in my hand. My baby's with me every minute of the day, no daycare. I can still be the homeroom mom if I just keep doing this. Mm. And now 30 years later, <laughs> I've written like three bestsellers. I've been on every podcast show, radio, TV, and the news. And um, it's just been the craziest thing ever. That is an amazing story. So, I mean, you literally just kind of just, just started one day. That was just it. Yeah, I, I really, honestly, that's the funny thing I tell people. I in my mind. Because I never heard, there were no um, seminars and people, like they just, it wasn't available yet. Yeah. So I didn't know what fixing up meant. I just really, truly, I swear to God, I thought I was just going to put it on some blinds, some pictures, paint the wall, decorate, mm -hmm. sell a house. Not at all the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Not even a little bit. <laughs> so how did you go about, did you start, did you establish a business at that point? Like how did you kind of continue forward at that point? Um, so way back then, anytime, so I, so the people I had met, they said that they worked with people that were in foreclosure. So that would be people that are actually losing their house. They're in foreclosure. And of course we didn't have a way to uh, get people's names and numbers. So we had to drive to the courthouse and hand write them all down. I had to use those old map books that you probably don't know what they are <laughs> to get in our neighborhoods. So I would just drive to the courthouse, take my baby. I would hand write addresses. I would go door knocking and say, hey, listen, I, you know, you're in trouble and I think I can help you and let's work together. And I did that first deal. And then of course your confidence is, you know, off the chart when you make 22 grand and you're like, mm -hmm. which is a lot, of, you know, and I always tell people $22,000 is a lot of money now. But twenty-two thousand dollars thirty years ago was so much money. Yeah, like that was just so much money. I couldn't even imagine I had that much money in my bank account. And so I literally door knocked people in foreclosure, gave them a, a pretty sorry excuse of a script about how I could help them because I didn't know what to say. And I would move in, fix up the house, move, fix it, move, fix it, move, fix it until my daughter started kindergarten. And by that time, I thought I'm doing this for real. And started a business and an LLC, and I hired some contractors to help me with these houses, and I just grew it from there. That's that's crazy. That's amazing. Now tell me a little really bit. Of, shocking. I mean, yeah. I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> that is, I mean, it is amazing. Well, do you, for other people who might be trying to kind of start their own business in this, uh, maybe maybe not exactly the way that you did, but who uh, who are trying to establish that LLC or L and they are starting to hire people. If you look back to those early days, are there any moments where you're thinking, man, if I knew then what I know now, I would have done a few things a little bit differently. What would those? I, I think if I knew what I know right now, I would have been terrified to do my first deal. Mm. So I, I feel like. Because I didn't, I, I think being so naive was actually my best asset at that moment because I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm. So I feel like if anyone is interested, it really is starting any kind of business, but especially if real estate investing is something that you're like, oh, real estate investing, hey, I, I think I like that idea. Um, I feel like you should try to learn as much as you can. But of course, as you know, there's a million people online that supposedly are these experts and they've done two deals and they wrote a program. So they're not really experts. Mm -hmm. So for the real estate investing genre, I think you should look back to people who were doing this since before the first crowd, like before 2008, if they survived that and they're still actively investing might be a good place to start. I think one thing that people need to not do is get so bogged down that I have to have an LLC. I have to have an office. I have to have this, 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 because those are the things I find when I see the person a year later, they're still bogged down trying to get those things done mm. instead of moving forward with the action of like, I'm just going to start my business. I mean, I, I've seen people at a workshop. Oh, I'm getting my LL and a year later. Oh, I'm still working on I'm still working on stuff. It's like, dude, you're going to close five deals by now. What are you doing? Yeah. And what do you think is holding them back from just getting started? Are they just, is it just the security of having some of those things done is do you think that's what it is and they're think, nervous to pull that trigger um i think that if, as far as and the funny thing is it's not even listening but like at this point now with this town we're rehabbing we've opened up an antique mall a clothing boutique a farmer's market 
I know nothing about those businesses. Mm. I just took my real estate knowledge and said, okay, I can take that and put it here and we'll see what happens. And they're all booming. <laughs> so I feel like people need to truly assess their risk factor on a scale of one to 10. What's your honest to God risk factor? If you're a one or two, one is low, 10 is high. If you're a one or a two, then you really need to address that and realize that business is risky. But if your risk factor is a 10 like mine, that doesn't mean jump off the cliff and try to build a parachute on the way down. Mm -hmm. You still need to get a little bit of education, a little bit of knowledge about what it is you want to do and see how see how it feels. See if it fits what, what it is you want to do. But I honestly think the main thing that holds people back is fear. Because they're afraid, well, they're afraid to fail, but they're afraid to succeed. Fear of success is is even higher than fear of failure because then they make it and they go, oh my God, I made it. Now what? Mm. <laughs> now what do I do? Oh my God. Yeah. And I also think just from my personal experience and from having students for the last 30 years, I think one of the biggest things that holds people back is the well-meaning people in your life. Moms, dads, brothers, cousins, friends that say, oh, you can't do that. You need a job. You need security. Why do you want to work for yourself? It's too risky. And I feel like people naysay you mm-hmm. with the best intentions. They, they're looking out for you, but not really because they don't want you to succeed and become successful and kind of leave them behind. And that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. At what point did you decide to start helping other people with this? Like be, be able to pass on your, <laughs> your skills to other folks. I'm telling you, I'm out of my mind. I was not even, I had only done like four or five deals. But what I was finding was when I was going and talking to the people in foreclosure, I was talking to a lot of other women going through divorce. Mm. So I totally felt, I was like, oh man, listen, I lost my car, my husband, I went through foreclosure. I feel you. So I thought, man, I can only help, you know, this many people. It's too bad there's not more investors. So we could all kind of help all the people. Mm-hmm. And just with a few deals, like few, not even enough to really teach anything. I ran a little ad and said, hey, we're going to do a little workshop at my house. Like 10 people came over. I said, look, if you guys all do this, we could help 100 people. And so way before I was qualified to teach, <laughs> I started having little tiny workshops in my house because I just could see how many thousands, thousands and thousands of foreclosures every month in South Florida in the West Palm Beach area, thousands. And I'm just me trying to help one at a time. So I really already took on the the mindset of I need to try to help other people that went through what I went through because it really sucked. Mm. And I was able to turn it into a business, but a lot of people aren't. They kind of tuck their tail, they go back and they, you know, they feel like a failure. Yeah. Now you're known as the queen of the short sale. And again, this is where I get to, to play podcast host who shows his ignorance about some of the, can you explain what is a short sale? What does that mean? Yes. Yes. So, so back in the nineties, so this is in the nine, my daughter's born in 88. So back in the nineties, I'm doing deals. I'm wholesaling, getting them on a contract, selling them to somebody else, making an assignment fee. And the deals are starting to get a little tighter. And so basically just, by accident, I called one of the banks one day and said, hey, I need to close on this deal, but the numbers are too tight. Can you take some money off? And without even putting me on hold, the woman says, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll knock off like $4,000 worth of fees. So my mind is like, hey, they took off money for fees. I'm going to do this from now on in every single deal forever because three or $4,000 a deal is more money in my pocket. So then I did another deal, called the bank. They took a little bit of money off. 
So then I got brave and thought, well, what if I asked them to take off like money off the house? So I started asking like, hey, this is a you know, $75,000 house. Could you guys take 60,000? And I started getting yeses. So I was asking like the bank, like, what is this called? They said, well, there's not really a term for it yet. We're calling it short sales, discounting, discounting mortgages, discounting the loan. Like it didn't even have like a real term. So I went and trademarked short sales <laughs> way back. <laughs> and I had the trademark for short sales as it applies to real estate investing. And I started calling it short sales. And then I wrote a little 50 page program. I started selling to investors around the area. And next thing you know, short sales is a, is a gigantic portion of real estate investing. So basically you're taking like a $200,000 house where they owe exactly what it's worth. And you're getting the bank to take maybe 110 as a full payoff. So you're shorting it so that you can sell and do something with it. It's called a mm -hmm. short sale. Yeah. And, so, and I did the first ones, trademarked it, wrote one of the first books. And so I trademarked it. And I also trademarked Queen of Short Sales. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay to, to to say it, right? I'm allowed to use that term when I'm referring sure. to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am the queen of short sales. Uh, yeah, there and we go. That's crazy. But it's a really, it's a, it's just a huge part of the uh, real estate investing industry because a lot of people in foreclosure owe what their house is worth. So investors can't help them. Hmm. But the bank will take a little bit less and the bank's going to lose money anyway. Basically, the bank's going to lose money anyway. We're just trying to show them how much they're going to lose. So they'll take less today. And then okay. we can help that homeowner. Oh, that's great. Yeah, now, it's a really neat thing. And the banks, it helps the banks too because they get it off their books. Yeah. So you started out kind of on your own, kind of working on your own and pulling in some contractors. Uh, and you now it's 30 years later. Do you have employees? Like what does your company look like now? So now I have, uh, I do have employees. So I have a, a lot of um just contracting people for a certain thing. I have someone that helps with my podcast. I have someone that helps with uh, putting on a seminar. I have a rehab crew that's, you know, working in Iowa and I, and I got married. So I've been married for 19 years now. So I was single with my daughter. till she was 13. So, and all that time I was like, Hey, I had rentals. I did my business. And then I met my husband. I was like, dude, listen, I've been single a really long time. And I'm like way up here now. So <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time with me. <laughs> So I have uh, employees, I have some managers, but I have basically a couple of manager people that sort of oversee the big picture thing. So I can focus on what I truly like and what I really love to love podcasting. And I still like coaching and mentoring people and helping them to reach that financial freedom. Like that's my satisfaction is helping people, you know, reach that place where they can become self-employed and, and make their own money and build generational wealth and might have to work for whoever the man is these days. It doesn't seem like there's a man anymore. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about your podcast. How are you using that to market your business and what kind of positive uh, results have you seen from using podcasts to market? So my podcast is super fun. It's called uh, the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> and these are my background girls. If you're, I know if you're listening, you can't see, but I have pink flamingos in my background. And so on my podcast, I also interview people um, on Thursdays, but on Tuesdays, I just teach. So I, I, I have little seasons where we teach about short sales, about wholesaling, about landlording. And I just, I make it educational on, on every Tuesday. I just teach just here we go. Here's this. If you follow all these things, you can go do deals. And then on Thursdays, I interview people because, you know, 
everybody wants to be interviewed too. So yeah, <laughs> but and, I, I just, I, I just really want to make it educational, which is why I don't just do interviews. So I literally teach little seasons and I think I'm up to like 170 podcasts at this point. And I just wow. found out the other day I'm in 39 countries. I didn't even know that. That's fantastic. I was like, woo, look at me. How am I in three? I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> and you'd have to imagine that their real estate uh, systems and everything are different in some of these other countries. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you think a lot of the same types of things don't even apply? Not, a lot of it does. And a lot of people also are interested in investing in America. Mm, gotcha. So a lot of people. But yeah, I, I've been on a couple shows uh, from uh, Ireland and Canada, I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to people in Ireland. Like, holy cow, this is so great. So, um, but the foreclosure concept is, it's not in every country, certainly, mm-hmm. but it is in a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. And it's just called like Australia, countries like that. It's the same kind of concept. Um, but a lot of people want to invest in America. So I have a lot of people like that. They're like, hey, I'm, I'm over here and I've got money. And I, just, I want to put it in America. What can I do? And I'm like, I don't know, buy rentals, buy buildings, buy apartment buildings, buy commercial buildings. Yeah. By town. <laughs> yeah. And that was going to be, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about this town. Cause this sounds fascinating to me. I have lost my mind. My husband is from a very small town called Clinton, Iowa. So okay. it's small and they have, his high school does reunions every five years faithfully. So we've been going back every five years for 20 years, reunions. And the downtown is it's only three blocks wide and three blocks deep. It's right on the Mississippi river. So the last time we went back, I said, man, this old downtown just gets worse and worse and more desolate by the, every time we come, we should see like if they want to do some kind of rejuvenation or some sort of something and talk to some people at the city. So we made a few phone calls when I went to talk to the city and found out that they were just beginning this gigantic downtown rebeautification program as Opportunity Zone. They have loans and grants and all this money available. And I thought, well, we should buy a building, a building, and kind of help. You know, it's your hometown. So we bought a building, and then for so cheap, like it's like we paid thirty thousand dollars for like a twenty thousand square foot building wow. right on the downtown. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll put an antique mall in there, help bring business down. Well, then people found out, and then we bought another building, and then at the little Rotary Club, one of the ladies there, we bought one of her buildings. She told her friends. Hey, Bill and Tuan bought my building. So in the course of the last 24 months, we now own uh, 15 buildings, <laughs> which is 30% of the downtown. Wow. <laughs> so if you had told me two years ago, hey, you're going to own most of the downtown, I'd be like, no, there's no chance that's going to happen on the face of this earth. And here I am sitting here with all these buildings. That's great. But it, so but so, where are you in the process of that, pro, of that uh, progress? So what we do is we sort of fix one and not that they, they didn't all need fixing. A few of them were really beautiful buildings. Just the, the, the women that own them, their husbands had passed. Um, two of the women were 80. They just wanted to leave Clinton because it's really cold there. They wanted to move to Florida. And so we just, they were like, hey, listen, you don't even have to give me money down. I'll, I'll carry the note for you. Just send me a check to Florida every year so I have money to spend. And I was like, you got it, girl. Wow. And so we got six of them with no money down <laughs> because they just wanted us to mail them a check, which never happened. Like it just doesn't happen like that. Sure, sure. And so some of them were already great buildings. And then that ones that needed work, we just take one building at a time, completely rehab it, and then we rent out all the spaces. We decided to keep them. 
So we're renting out all the spaces. So the so in our in our commercial spaces, we have clothing stores, boutiques, nail salons, massage, um, a coffee, pies, a, a juice bar, just things we've rented to people that would cause other people to come downtown. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to rent to people that will help bring life to this little town. And now, and and, and also, I'm a <laughs> I'm a really big Hallmark movie junkie. <laughs> and if you ever watch a Hallmark movie, they always have some little downtown festival thing. So I got onto the downtown people, and now that every month there's some sort of little outdoor festival downtown. I don't even know how I got myself roped into heading that up. <laughs> but there's just thousands of people coming down there now in just the last couple of years. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe what you guys have done. So I don't know. We just took all the crazy and all the energy and all the knowledge and threw it into this town. That's great. That's so that's really cool. We have two buildings that we haven't touched yet, and they are trashed. They've been boarded up for a decade. So we're saving those for last because everything else just needs like a little TLC and it's ready to go. So we've got two, but those two will be a, a pretty big project. Yeah. That's that's awesome. What a great Isn't story. Crazy? Yeah. <laughs> we're coming up on time. I could sit here and talk to you all afternoon, but um, because <laughs> you're you. just so much fun. Um, but we are coming up on time, but I want to give you a chance to tell people like if they're interested in finding out more about your programs or, or, or learning more, uh, where can they find you? So it's super easy. So it's just wonderful. So I'll spell D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L, like a wonderful, but wonderful. So just wonderful.com. And if they opt in, I've got four eBooks and they're small eBooks, but they kind of give people an idea of wholesaling, short sales, rehabbing, just, you know, a little like, Hey, here's a few things, see what you like. And then I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, everything's just at wonderful. That's fantastic. Thank you again so much <laughs> no, wait, for being. That's Dwantastic. That's Dwantastic. Yeah. See, <laughs> I got to learn. Go. I got to get these down. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Ah, uh, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. And thank you for listening to another The Companies to Watch show. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time. Kevin Harrington here, and I want to thank you for listening to The Companies to Watch show. Now, if you're a successful entrepreneur, CEO, innovator, or startup on the rise, and you'd like to be considered for this program, please visit kevinharrington.tv slash podcast two slash apply. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you like to share this episode on your social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag companies to watch show. My team and I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions, and we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss out on any episodes ahead, just subscribe. And your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, kevinharrington.tv, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.